Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, customer experience fans and professionals, welcome to Experience Points presented by Avtex. I'm Joey Coleman and we are so excited to have you with us today. At Experience Points, you'll watch us as we feature contestants who answer questions about customer and employee experience and share their insight on how to make your interactions remarkable. We'll play a series of three games and each time a contestant answers a question correctly, they win points. These points are turned into dollars for the charity of their choosing, thanks to a generous donation from our friends at Avtex, who transform customer experience through CX design and orchestration. I'm Dan Gingis, and I would love to introduce you to today's contestant. She is a friend, a coach, a mentor, somebody who I have had the great pleasure of working with multiple times. She is Marquesa Petway, business reinvention expert, technology strategist. She's a speaker and business coach and the author of Your Reinvention Roadmap. Marquesa, I'm so excited you're here. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here, Dan and everyone. This is fun. Oh my gosh. We are so excited to have you with us, Marquesa. You're going to be playing for a special organization today. Can you tell us a little bit about who you're playing for and why you've decided to play for them. Oh, yes. Well, Black NSA and National Speakers Association is a professional organization for professional speakers. So when you get motivated, you technically you're probably hearing from an nsa -er. Anyway, National Speakers Association has what's known as community groups. And these groups stand for something. Well, Black NSA, we make it our mission to put more people of color, specifically African-Americans on more stages and virtual or on demand or in person, because you know what? Everybody needs to be seen and heard. So if you attend a presentation and there's not enough, I don't know, diversity in the room, give Black NSA a call. So that's who I'm playing for today. That is <laughs> awesome. And Marquesa, that's how we met as I attended a Black NSA event and you were on stage and I absolutely loved it and came up and introduced myself. Yep. And that's how we met. So Let's play Fake or Fact. In Fake or Fact, examine three similar experiences. Some are real, some are not. Your task is to determine the fake from the fact. Each experience correctly detected is worth 100 points. Three correct answers will earn you 200 bonus points for a possible score of 500 points. Now, Marquesa, something you need to know about the game it may be the case that all three examples are fake. It may be that all three are fact, or it could be a mix of fake and fact. So trust your gut, see how you do, and we're excited to get started. You guys, you're taking me back to my TV days. I like it, I like it. All right, so Marquesa, increasingly businesses are being asked to distribute their products internationally and in unfamiliar regions or markets. While some products may have raving fans within the USA, those same products may not have broad availability outside the USA. So we're gonna to present to you three items that we're saying are typically available outside of the US. So these are all brands that you're gonna recognize in the US. The question is, can you get them outside of the US? And we're saying for all three of them, yes, you can. They are readily available and you're gonna tell us Fake or fact? 
I'm going to give you all three and then we'll go through your answers. The first are Girl Scout cookies. Now, we know how everybody loves their Girl Scout cookies. My Girl Scout, when she starts selling them, man, people go wild. The second is good old American cheese. And the third are Pringles. So we think that all three of these items are readily available outside of the United States. And we're going to ask you whether that is fake, i.e. not true, they're not available, or fact, yes, they are available outside of the United States. Let's start with the Girl Scout cookies. Marquesta, do you think that people outside of the United States can have and obtain and eat Girl Scout cookies? Oh, I should know this. I was a cadet. I sold <laughs> the most Girl Scout cookies than anybody else in my class. I was a champion. <sighs> I'm going to say fact fact that they are available outside the u.s yes okay why do i think this you sold them online and i don't remember you saying that they were but i don't remember a lot of things i remember you saying that they were only available locally and i'm thinking why not i mean girl scouts guys i spoke in their facility they can ship they're huge they're a big organization. They're huge. Why wouldn't they? I have friends in London. You know the deal. Canada. Why can't they enjoy Girl Scout cookies too? So if the answer is no, then that's not right. You know what's great, Marquesa? <laughs> I completely agree with everything you said. And the answer is you cannot get them outside of the United States. The rest of the world, unfortunately, does not have this pleasure that we have here in the United States. Can you? It's unbelievable. But maybe... Maybe with your, uh, with your input, they can figure this out. Let's move on to good old American cheese. Is American cheese something that you can get outside of America? Well, my first brain would say no, because it's an American cheese. But I can't think of what the cheese is right now, but I know I eat international cheese right here in the States. I mean, and hello, despite what's going on now, we're still the most famous country. So I don't understand why American cheese would not be sold outside of the country. So I'm going to have to say, so uh, facts. Okay. So Joey, let's answer the question. Is American cheese sold outside the United States? <laughs> no. Uh, American cheese actually is a uniquely American flavor that pretty much the rest of the world does not like. And so that's why it's not available. You know, Marquesa, we export a lot of things from the United States around the world, but American cheese isn't one of them. That's okay, Marquesa. Come on, we got one more. So we got Pringles and we know there's lots of flavors here in the United States. The question is, can you get Pringles outside of the United States and, I don't know, let's say some local flavors? Does this game come with a lifeline? <laughs> you want to phone a friend? <laughs> part of my brain says since the last two were fake, this must be fake too. But it's a part of me that says you want me to think it's fake, so that means it's really fact. Because I know how you think, Dan. So I'm going to go with fact. All right, Joey, is it available? It is! Yay! That reason actually works sometimes. That makes me feel good. I needed to win something. Oh, my goodness. And I'm, and I'm honored that you know me so well. So good job, Marquesa. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Marquesa, here's the interesting thing. Obviously, you're a fan of a lot of those brands. Dan is, too. So am I. But one of the big challenges that a lot of organizations have is the availability of their product wherever their customers are that want it. 
And could you speak a little bit to kind of your thoughts on the importance of being able to deliver that customer experience, even in regions or territories that you might not naturally operate in? Especially for the professional speaking world, if you're speaking in person, I think it's important to understand the customs, understand the expectation. Don't assume I'm a great speaker. I know my expertise. Yeah, yeah, that's good. But if the delivery mechanism isn't clear or connecting, you are so screwed. So I think it's important to understand where you're speaking. And if you're speaking, and I have spoken in other countries before, some I still haven't spoken in. And a lot of them, it's cool, but there are some I understand that you got to do a little bit of research. Otherwise, you're going to lose your potential customer. You know, Marquesa, uh, this reminds me of a particularly embarrassing moment that I had I had a job for three years that I traveled extensively internationally, and I messed up one of the key customs once where in Europe, a typical greeting is you kiss somebody on both cheeks. In Latin America, a typical greeting is you kiss someone on one cheek. And so I went to kiss somebody in Latin America on the other cheek, and she was like, whoa, (laughs) what are you doing? And I, it was really, really embarrassing. But what I think is kind of interesting about this, you mentioned diversity before when you were talking about Black NSA. And I find that one of the things that happens often with people and companies in America is that we don't consider the diversity of culture outside of our country. And we don't think about the fact that people in other countries may have different opinions, may have different values, may eat different foods, may have different ways of greeting, etc. And, uh, you know, there's the old joke that I know all of us that have traveled internationally have heard that says, you know, what do you call someone who speaks two languages bilingual? What do you call someone who speaks multiple languages multilingual? And what do you call somebody who speaks one language American? We, of course, expect everyone to speak our language. So I'm, I'm interested in terms of in your travels or just in your work, where does it come up where you sort of have to take a step back and just understand who your market is, who your audience is in order to possibly pivot one way or another? Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm a big technology speaker, or rather I speak about how to leverage technology in your business. And during COVID times, that was really critical. A lot of people had to figure out, oh my gosh, how do I do this not in person? So I love that kind of thing. I actually get bored than doing the same thing the same way. So I welcome the opportunity to do it differently try it this way. Let me see this person's perspective. That doesn't mean I'm not a control freak and like things my way at times. So in my business, I think that's a big strength of mine is when my customer says to me, hey, can we do this differently? But I will say this, if I feel like them doing it differently will hurt the quality of their goal or them getting to their goal, then I'll push back. But ultimately, I am so open to doing whatever needs to be done to make that customer happy. But when it comes to understanding the way that they think, learn, communicate, that I'm all into that. That's everything. I think that's customer service one-on-one. I think you're so right. I mean, at the end of the day, if we're going to offer our products or services in a different area, whether that's a different area of the country we're in or a different country on the planet, we need to understand what we're getting into. And I think you bring up a valuable point, which I imagine might be part of the reasoning why some of the brands we featured earlier in the quiz portion aren't in different countries around the world. And that's because of product quality. 
and being able to maintain that commitment of quality. I'm dating myself a little bit, but back in the 1980s, I had the chance to travel to the then Soviet Union. And it was right around the time that they opened the first McDonald's. Now, I didn't go to the McDonald's, right? I wanted to try to have a Soviet experience as opposed to an American experience in the Soviet Union. But I talked to some people about how McDonald's had established themselves. And they had gone over five years earlier and made contracts with farmers to grow the potatoes in the Soviet Union because they had a standard for the potatoes for the McDonald's French fries that they were afraid they couldn't get without owning, if you will, the supply chain and making sure that they had it. You bring up an excellent point there of being able to look, how can we deliver the same level of product experience? And that may require an additional infrastructure expense that a lot of companies aren't willing to make. You know, Joey, it's funny you mentioned that because as you know, I worked for McDonald's. The other thing that was really interesting about that is that at the time in the 80s, McDonald's tagline had something to do with smiling. I I can't remember exactly what the tagline was, but they were training all their employees to deliver service with a smile. Well, in the Soviet Union, a smile was not nearly as frequent as something that you would see in the United States. In fact, they looked at Americans and were like, why are those people smiling so much, right? And so that didn't translate over to the Soviet Union because they just weren't used to people smiling so much. And so I think that's a fascinating cultural example of you have to know your audience and you have to adapt no matter what business you're in to make sure that you are acting in an appropriate way and in a way that will connect with them on their particular level, whatever that level is. And it's so funny. You worked at McDonald's too. I didn't do what you did though, Dan. You were an important person at McDonald's. McDonald's was my first job at 16. So I worked the fries. Yeah. McDonald's taught me responsibility. Thank you very much. Joey, let's recap how Marquesa did playing fake or fact. Well, in this game, correct answers are worth 100 points. And Marquesa answered one question correctly, which means she earned 100 points. These points convert into dollars, which means you earned a $100 donation to Black NSA. Thank you so much. This is fun. You guys are cool. (laughs) Let's play What Happened. In What Happened, watch to the first half of an experience story. Choose what you think happens next from four possible endings. Answer correctly for 500 points. If incorrect, you'll be granted an extra life and the opportunity to answer from the remaining three endings for 250 points. Our What Happened story today comes from Ryan Baker. Ryan is a social media customer care manager at Nutrisystem Inc. in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And here's the first half of Ryan's story. Hey everyone, my name's Ryan Baker, and if you know me, uh, you know that I am a huge tea nerd. Uh, I love drinking it, I love talking about it, I love giving information to people more than they probably want to know. Um, I It's just a huge part of my life and a huge passion of mine. And a few years ago, uh, I was getting started on, um, on blogging about it because I wanted to share my passion with the world. And 
I uh, have a particular brand that I had been ordering a lot for from for a couple of years, but they had this lookbook, uh, which was a book about all of their teas, and um, they didn't have it for sale at the time. And so I wrote them um, to ask if they would be willing to allow me to purchase a copy. Um, and I think they had used it at like certain events and things like that. And what happened next was just amazing to me. Okay, Marquesa, now we need to figure out what happened next. We're going to give you four choices. So A, the company mocked him by asking what he would want a lookbook for and what he was going to do with it. B, they said the book wasn't for sale, but they sent him some tea samples and some coupons. C, they sent a copy of the lookbook plus a box of tea samples and some branded swag. Or D, they sent a copy of the lookbook and decided to name their newest tea after him. Tell us which one you think is what happened next and why you think that. Explain your reasoning. Well, you know what? A, that's just bad customer service. Why would you mock a customer, somebody that's really into you? So A is out. D is out because, hey, I may love my customers, but naming them after <laughs> naming it. Uh, well, you know what? I No, I just don't see us naming a T, see them naming a T after a customer. And then, so it has to be B or C. B is said the book wasn't for sale, but sent him some tea samples and coupons. So he sent copy of the book. You know what? Uh, this is a tough one. I really hope they did C. But you know what? I could also see B though. And I'm thinking, what would Dan say? <laughs> so part of me thinks in the real world, uh, lookbook, uh, it wouldn't be for sale. It really wouldn't. But you know what? I'm going to send you some samples and some coupons. Companies can't afford to send swag out unless they're going to have an event or, you know what I mean? Or something that they're a launch or a promotion. So I'm going to go with B, y'all. I'm going to, the businesswoman in me says, B, baby, B. Now, Marquesa, so you said B. I'm curious about your debate, your internal debate here, because you started <laughs> by saying you want it to be C. So, so explain to me why you want it to be C. Well, see, they're sending a copy of the lookbook. Oh, oh, I see. Okay, so maybe I meant C then. Well, they sent them a copy because I'm thinking B, they still sent a copy of the book, but it wasn't for sale. C, they sent copy of the lookbook plus a box of tea, samples, and swag. But you know what? I'm overthinking it because swag can be very inexpensive. It can be a sticker. It can be, you know what I mean, a nose. So if I had to redo it, I would say C. All right, so you're going to say C, and is that your final answer? Oh, gosh. Money for blanket and say, oh, my gosh. <laughs> because B is not clear whether they sent the book or not. Yeah, I, I want to clarify uh, for you okay. and for the audience. In B, they do not send the book because it's not okay. available. Uh, and okay. so in C, okay. he does get the book. Okay. So you know what? It's got to be. It's got to be C because you're a customer service expert and you're all about customer service experience. So I would have to say C. All right, Joey. Not only did Rishi send me a copy of their lookbook uh, after I'd asked them for it, it turned into Christmas for me. Um, I was just so excited. I, it was a, a, just such a great gesture by them. They didn't have to send all of that stuff, but they knew I was getting started. They knew I loved their brand, and I tell everybody about them now. I love their brand, and, um, and I blog about them a lot. They cemented me as a customer. 
you trusted your gut. You got it. That's fantastic. And I don't know if you heard at the end when he says they cemented me as a customer. Friends, it is so easy to create a lifelong customer if you just go that extra mile and do something unexpected. You do that special thing. I mean, Ryan even mentions in the uh, video, it turned into Christmas for me. He was so excited. Absolutely love it. Marquesa, could you speak a little, because you were back and forth between B or C a little bit, right? And kind of which decision you wanted to go with. You kind of mentioned that you thought the typical response would be more like B, where they just send some coupons and maybe a couple samples but that the great customer experience would be to go above and beyond. Why is it that you think most companies don't do that? Because they don't have the manpower. It's not a priority. I do not think companies, some, will not do it because it's just not a priority. And they're overwhelmed trying to make money and trying to stay focused on serving clients. So going above and beyond really means you got to be organized. You got to make it a priority. It does cost money. You got to have some kind of budget for it. So I think that's why it is. But watching this, I'm like, after seeing that video, I'm going to make sure I make my company more the C and not the B. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned the cost of the swag when you were trying to think about it. And I mean, in hindsight now, I'd say the team company's probably really happy they invested in that and sent it to him, right? Because they've cemented a fan for life. He's a blogger. He's telling everybody about it. He goes on a game show and tells people about it. And that's the best marketing that you can have. That's so much better than any marketing they can put together is to have a, a true fan of theirs talking about them. And I think that's amazing. And you know what, Marquesa, you already do that because you created a fan in me when we met. And I talk about you all the time. As you know, you're you're now in my uh, keynote. I talk about you in my keynote. So you already do that, whether you know it or not. But I think it's such an important facet for companies to find your fans and then really nurture them because they are the ones that want to help you do well. Oh, I love it. Yes. This is so cool and I'm learning so much. <laughs> oh, Marquesa, we're learning from you too. You know, I'd love to, if I may, jump up on a little soapbox real quick and we can pull me back down here in a second, but I'd love to get your thoughts on this as somebody who coaches and works with so many executives and businesses. It never ceases to amaze me how much people say on the customer experience side, well, how much is that going to cost and how much are we going to spend? And oh, but what about every dollar? We can't send a box of swag because swag costs money. We can't do that. Yet on the marketing side, marketing often comes to the table and is like, hey, we want to buy a Super Bowl ad or we want to <laughs> wrap all the trucks in this design for this one photo shoot we're doing. And it doesn't seem like there's the same level of scrutiny on return on investment when we're acquiring a customer as there is when we're maintaining or retaining a customer. And I'd love your thoughts on why that is and without, you know, leading the witness too much, you know, why that may be short-sighted. You know what? Honestly, I think it's because you don't know what you don't know. You feel like, all right, I have to market. I have to sell. And in your mind, for a lot of us, we think customer service means I just want to make sure you're happy and you're getting what you purchased. We sometimes do not realize that going above and beyond, and that can be tough if you don't have a whole lot of support, but going above and beyond, even with little things can make all the difference in the world. And I think about some of 
places that I'm a customer of and how I'm a customer for life. I rave about it for those little things. So what I'm learning here is, you know what? As a marketer, I have to say this, sometimes customer service is or should be a marketing strategy. Such a great point. I agree, Marquesa. All right, Dan, let's recap. How did Marquesa do playing What Happened? Well, Joey, I am pleased to say that in this game, correct answers are worth 500 points and Marquesa answered correctly, which means she earned the 500 points. And as we know, those points convert into dollars, which means, Marquesa, you earned a $500 donation to Black NSA. Congratulations. <laughs> and I'm hearing music in my mind, Black NSA, Black NSA. It makes me so happy. Guys, this is huge. Let's play Think Fast. In Think Fast, you will have one minute to answer five experience questions. For each question, you must quickly choose between two possible answers. Correct answers given before time runs out are worth 100 points. Five correct answers will earn you 500 bonus points for a possible score of 1,000 points. Marquesa, all of the questions today are coming from a study from our friends at Visible Thread that look at language and readability. And the name of the study is 90% of credit card terms and conditions are inaccessible to those without a college education. So we're going to be talking about the confusing nature of credit card terms and conditions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Joey, give us 60 seconds on the clock. All righty. All right, here we go. Marquesa, what percentage of credit card terms and conditions require at least some college education to be understood? Is it 90% or 60%? 60%. The average American reads at what grade level? Is it 10th grade or 8th grade? 8th grade. For easy understanding, passive voice should be used less than 4% of the time. The average credit card company used it 10% or 22% of the time? 22%. Okay, the next question. Which bank scored higher on the readability index? American Express or USAA? I think American Express. Long sentences should be used no more than 5% of the time. At how many words is a sentence considered long? Is it 15 or 25? 15. All right. Woo! We just got in under the wire there. Great job, Marquesa. That was fast. Let's see how you did. What percentage of credit card terms and conditions require at least some college education to be understood? You said 60%? The answer, unfortunately, was 90%. I know. For some reason, I thought about it when you just said it. Yeah, I think it was 90 <laughs> Unbelievably, 90% require a college education. All right, we asked you the average American reads at what grade level? You said eighth grade, and the answer is eighth grade. All right, we're on the board. Then we asked for easy understanding. Passive voice should be used less than 4% of the time. The average credit card company used it, and you said 22% of the time. The answer is 22% of the time. Nice job. I'm confused all the time. All right. Now, we then asked you which bank scored higher on the readability index. You went with the New York favorite, American Express. And unfortunately, it was USAA. Something told me that. You know, what's funny is USAA is based in Texas. So you were really torn between your Texas roots and your New York roots. 
and I should have said USAA because then, you know what? I should have said that I didn't recognize it. So it must be the right answer. <laughs> All right. Long sentences should be used no more than 5% of the time. At how many words is a sentence considered long? You said 15. And the answer is 25. Marquesa. Can you imagine a 25 word sentence is a really long sentence? What was amazing about this study is how many banks are guilty of long sentences at 25 words or more. And the answer is most of them. And so I think one of the real keys on these questions, and especially as the fact that all three of us are speakers, we're all into communication, right? That's what we do for a living. But for companies, communication is such a big part of the experience. And if you don't do it well, and you confuse your customers, or you speak above their reading level, it's really going to be hard to connect with them and make them feel good about their purchase. So Marquesa, where have you found that communication, either in your business or in your client's business, becomes a really big part of the experience? Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's everything. And I say that with such disdain, because, and it's a good and a bad thing, because it is. It can make or break a relationship. It can turn a prospect into a client or not. So that is huge. It's huge. It's ironic that communications was my major <laughs> in college. I was a communications major, broadcast journalism. You would think that I know a lot about communications and I do in a certain degree, but one of the biggest lessons I've had to learn as an entrepreneur, you know, I call it speakerpreneur for the last 15 years, has been how you communicate. It's in the writing, when you're teaching, when I'm speaking to my clients every week in our group's sessions, when I send out something. And so I'm learning, even in my newsletter, on my podcast, it's everything. It's everything, honestly. And it's nonverbal. You got to break it down between verbal and nonverbal and written. But communication, it's really the lifeline, I think. Marquess, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, it's interesting. I'm actually a recovering attorney. Uh, so the first step is admitting you have a problem. And then there's 11 steps after that. But when I was in law school, they would teach us how to write these types of legal disclaimers and these types of contracts. And on one hand, I understand from a legal point of view what they were trying to do. But I will tell you as a consumer, I regularly get contracts and agreements and things that I'm asked to sign that I read through them. Having had a degree from a top 20 law school in the country, having practiced law for more than five years before I became a speaker, I look at this and I'm like, folks, if I'm confused, what is the person who's reading at the eighth grade level who hasn't gone to law school, who hasn't you know, spent a lot of time analyzing the written word and the spoken word, how are they supposed to navigate this? So I think you make an excellent point that communication is everything. And it's not just in your rules and your contracts. It's the emails you're sending. It's the conversation that your contact center is having with someone, the phone call messages, the words you're typing in the email. Out of curiosity, Marquesa, what do you think is a way that we can fix this problem? I think we all agree that communication isn't where it needs to be from most organizations. I know you work a lot with business owners any tips or suggestions about how they can refine and hone their communications internally with their team? Mm, you know what's worked for me? And when I skip this step, I pay for it. 
you need to have someone else read it. (laughs) You need that. Yeah. You need to have someone else read it. It's so funny. One of my newest offerings, my Zoom think tank, and I'm so excited about it. I've, oh my goodness, I've probably done uh, at least, I don't know, seven or eight revisions and you think it's perfect and it's not quite there. And then I had a team member read it recently and they completely changed it. And it is amazing. I'm proud of it. And of course, it's going to continue to be tweaked. But he had an entirely different perspective than the other team member. And you know what? It doesn't hurt to have maybe, I don't know, Dan, is there such thing as to have maybe, I don't know if you would call them priority customers or demo customers, but people that are your actual customers and have them maybe read it and let you know, well, what do you really think about that? So I'm learning that. And sometimes when I'm in a rush, I'm under deadline. I got to speak somewhere and I need that to be done. I don't go through those channels and I pay for it in one way or the other. So what I find is the more input I get, the better results I get. Because sometimes the way that I intend it is not the way it's received. And that is the number one responsibility when it comes to communications. You know, Marquesa, you make an outstanding point. And as a marketer who led marketing teams at multiple companies, I was often asked by, say, a creative team, you know, what do you think of this copy? And my answer always disappointed them because I said, it doesn't matter what I think. It matters how a customer is going to respond to it. So why don't we go ask some customers and let's see what they think of the copy? Is it going to excite them? Is it going to get them to buy from us or whatever it is that we wanted them to do? And so often we make decisions in conference rooms when we could be just out in front of customers and they will tell you how they want to be communicated with. All right, Joey, let's recap how Marquesa scored playing Think Fast. In this game, correct answers are worth 100 points and Marquesa answered two questions correctly, which means she earned 200 points. Those points convert to dollars, which means Marquesa earned a $200 donation to Black NSA. That concludes this episode of Experience Points. Check out more games with Marquesa and our other celebrity contestants at experiencepointsgame.com. That URL again is experiencepointsgame.com. We'll see you soon for more examples of remarkable customer experiences here at Experience Points, presented by Avtex.